the line with me now is a friend of mine. In fact, he and I have been hanging out a pretty good while now. When I'm looking back over the years, it has been some years that he and I have racked up together here. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, he has been a front line taxed enough already warrior and a great patriot, a Christian to his core, a follower of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, president and founder of Rocky Mountain Black Conservatives, my friend, Derek Wilburn. Welcome back to C.L. Bryant Show, brother. How are you? C.L., I'm just out here snapping necks and cashing checks. And, man, I can remember when I used to bounce you on my knee. That's how far back we go. <laughs> yeah, I remember those days, Derek. <laughs> when, when you were still suckling at the teat, that's when I met you. <laughs> oh, boy. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but anyway, let's ask, let me ask you this question. Man, you totally threw me off my game with that. I got to tell you. Derek, burn it down. Burn it down, BLM chanting in the streets of Washington, D.C. What What's going on here, man? Is there an alternate reality that has taken place? And are we actually living in it? Can we break out of this? Talk to us. You know, that's really an interesting way to put it. Is there an alternate reality? Because that is exactly what it is. So the... The overarching topic of BLM and marching and chanting is, is too broad. Uh, we need to focus it down. And typically, I like to focus it down into four specific areas. Racism in America, white privilege, systemic racism, and reparations. And we can do any one of the four, but I'll start us off with systemic racism. Because that's what they're really – if you ask these people, what is systemic racism? They can't tell you. They just believe that it's out there and it's keeping us down. And for your listeners that don't know, I am a descendant of slaves. I'm a black American. Systemic racism is real. It does exist. However, we cannot ask that question in isolation. If we're going to say, is there systemic racism? And there is. There are two questions that must get asked right along with it. The first one is, where is this systemic racism? It's not enough to just say it exists, it's out there somewhere in the universe. If you can't identify it, if you cannot locate it, then what's the point in talking about it or bringing it up? Systemic racism exists in the United States. I would argue not at the federal level anymore. Of course, it used to, right? I mean, slavery was once the legal law of the land, but we got rid of that. Then we passed the Civil Rights Acts in 1964 and 1965. And, and from a federal level, I don't believe there are any systems in place that equally oppress people of color in both Bangor, Maine, and in Billings, Montana. Let me ask you it this question exist. then. Let me ask you this question. And it's a very, very, very simple question that I've been asking a, a long time, and you, you, you've heard me ask it. Is there anything... That the color of our skin, and full disclosure, Derek has uh, told you him, and uh, if you're just tuning in uh, for the first time in these seven years of the C.L. Bryant Show, both of us are black conservatives who happen to vote uh, many times Republican, and of course, uh, we are Christians. But is there anything, Derek Wilburn, that the color of our skin, your skin, my skin, would stop us from doing in this country if we want it to do? Is there anything that you can uh, think of? 
No, no. So we've had black Americans become the most renowned brain surgeons in the world. We've had black Americans become the president of the United States. So our skin color doesn't hold us back. But that's not what they're saying. They're saying the system holds us back. Which brings me back to my questions. Where is systemic racism? And who runs the system? So I gave you the premise that it doesn't exist at the federal level, and it doesn't. Therefore, it must exist at the local level. So these issues, you know, they're they're rioting now over supposedly racist policing activity. Well, that's local. That's a local control issue. Uh, We have housing and hiring discriminatory practices. That's local, not federal. We have blacks trapped in failing schools and school districts. That's local, not federal. So if we're going to say it exists at the local level, the next logical question, CL, is who runs the system? Okay, so Chicago, Illinois, city of my birth, has had a Democrat mayor since forever. Cities are run by mayors and councils, city councils. Chicago has had a Democrat mayor forever. The current makeup of the Chicago City Council is a 50-member council, 49 Democrats, one Republican. St. Louis has had a Democrat mayor since forever. Current city council, 28 members, 28 Democrat, zero Republican. Baltimore, 15-member council, 15 Democrat, zero Republican. Seattle and Detroit both have had Democrat mayors since forever. They both have nine member city councils, nine Democrats, zero Republicans. I'll give you one more. San Francisco, Democrat mayor since forever, 11 member city council, 11 Democrats, zero Republicans. So it isn't just that Republicans are in a minority, CL. There aren't any. So if we're going to say there is systemic racism, we have to ask who runs the system? Okay, and then it's the Derek. Same people all around the country. Let me ask you this, because I'm sure our audience want to hear your perspective on this. This has been the conversation in the last few days: equity, equality. What then is the goal or the design in this race equity push by the Biden administration? Give us your take. To maintain the black vote as cattle on the vote farm. When you enjoy the support of a voter block to the tune of 90% plus, you know you cannot lose that block, unless the block is so small. Yeah, if you've got 90% of left-handed, uh, Asian, uh, transgender chemistry majors, you don't mind losing that voter block. But we, 13% of the country is black American, and 90% of the 13% who vote, vote Democrat. They have got to maintain that. So how do you maintain it? Number one, you continually call the other side racist, which works. Number two, you put policies in place that you sell as supposedly helping the constituency that's voting for you, when in fact you're keeping them right where they are, therefore always voting for you the next time. You know, Derek, when we look at the type of rhetoric and dialect that is being placed uh, in the American uh, society right now, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this article uh, in the, the uh, Los Angeles Times, uh, what to do about the Trumpite next door. Uh, Virginia Heffernan uh, writes this one. It appears that there is something that they are wanting folks to do 
about Trumpites. Is there a signal to any of us, all of us, that there's some kind of danger here when American citizens are pitted against each other in this fashion? Derek Wilburn, talk to us. The separation that we're seeing in the country, liberal conservative, can be geographically described as coastal and internation. So the Democrat Party, and you mentioned this woman with the L.A. Times. There's a reason she's with the L.A. Times. The L.A. Times and the New York Times mirror one another, as does the Washington Post. You have a party and a political movement that is increasingly becoming concentrated on the, on the coasts of our country. So when you think of the prominent Democrats who have a national microphone, Chuck Schumer, New York, Bernie Sanders, New Hampshire, Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, California, Gavin Newsom, California. They're coastal elites. They are wealthy people who live on the coast. We just had this attorney for PBS get busted by Project Veritas claiming, aren't you glad you live here, Washington, D.C., a coastal city where everyone's educated and and advanced and sophisticated, and aren't you glad you don't live out there where all the stupid people are? He literally said this. Very few people could name a prominent Democrat from inner United States. However, we can name prominent Republicans from out there. Uh, Everyone knows Rand Paul, Kentucky. Everyone knows Ted Cruz, uh, Texas. So what these coastal elites don't realize is what they call flyover country, the rest of us call home and their policies are going to ultimately completely disenfranchise the middle of the country. The question is, can we overcome the fraud to take back the offices that we've lost? And so when we look then at uh, where we go from here, and we're looking at the Maxine Waters and those types of people who are now in power, is there going to be a civil war in that Democrat Party? And is Joe Biden just a pawn? I mean, this is this is something, uh, Derek, that the American people, uh, I don't think, have taken very seriously as to who is actually in the Oval. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, he's a pawn. The man can barely he he can't complete a sentence. Uh, He he really can't speak in public anymore. He can't speak off the cuff. And he's reached the point now where he really can't speak off a teleprompter either. They have to be very, very careful and maintain a very scripted existence for him. But your question about a, a civil war within the Democrat Party is true. The answer, I believe, is yes. However, there's a civil war coming in both parties. So the Trump faction of the Republican Party has some decisions to make. The Democrat Party is already, you're seeing leadership march steadily in the direction of communism. They don't even hide it anymore. They used to keep it kind of secretive and run as one thing but govern as something else like Obama did. They don't do that anymore. Bernie Sanders used to be the fringe of the party. And by used to, I mean five years ago. His platform is now the mainstream of the party. So the party has to make up its mind. Either we're going to say goodbye to the middle of America and try to win our elections based on the coastal states and cities, or we're going to soften our stance. The Republican Party has the same thing going on. Are we with Trump and the America First vision that he put forward, or are we going to capitulate more to the Democrat agenda of open borders and and higher taxes and all this other monkey business? And there are Republicans who want to do that. Can the Republican Party win anything 
without Donald John Trump? Is he, is it his party as so many, I do, believe it is? What do you say? I think the answer to your question is not, the the answer is other than the question that you have asked. So can the Trump agenda win? Absolutely. Uh, The idea that we should put America first, the idea that we should force our allies to pay their own way, the idea that we should have control of our own border and know who's coming and going, the idea that we should keep taxes on American businesses low so they can compete on the global arena. Nobody would argue those are bad ideas. So the Trump platform is a winner. Your question, can the Republican Party win, moves into a different area. And that is the conglomeration of big tech, of the news media, and then of those who are involved in the balloting process like Dominion Voting Software. So we were all amazed in 2016 when Hillary Clinton spent next to no time campaigning in critical swing states in the Midwest, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania. She spent almost no time there. None of us could believe it. And I believe the reason she didn't is because they thought they had the fix in place. Those were Dominion machine states, and they thought that they were handled. But the turnout for Trump was so overwhelming that he took down their scam. Well, it worked in 2020, and what these people don't realize, and by these people I mean Republicans who aren't on Trump's team, is if they were able to steal the Trump election in 2020, they'll continue refining the machine until they can begin winning down-ticket races the same way. Oh, yeah, it's happening and now. And eventually, Republicans yeah. won't be able to win. Oh, yeah, that's happening now. It's that, those down-ticket elections are being stolen now. And uh, it, it is it is absolutely diabolical what we have allowed to happen. We're on with Derek Wilburn. Derek, I want you to stay with me if you can through the break. Tell everybody here in these next uh, two and a half minutes that I have with you uh, how to get a hold of you and uh, what's, uh, what, what, what type of things you're doing right now. I'm on the front lines of introducing the next generation of black Americans to the truth about conservatives. And we do that by sending them to work specifically in conservative legislative offices in Washington, D.C., and we pay them. We pay their airfare, we pay their lodging, we pay their summer salary, and immerse them in the truth about who we are and what we believe. And it changes them for life. If anyone wants to learn about that, it's www.pocinterns. P-O-C-C, People of Color Capital Interns, P-O-C-C-interns.com. Click that donate button, and honey, click it hard. Yeah, Uh, I have a young man that I want to uh, introduce you to. I do believe he is um, uh, just the type of guy that you're looking for. And I'll I'll do that offline. Uh, Good work that you are doing, uh, uh, Derek. And uh, folks, help these young people become a part of the solution, the answer here in America. Derek, stay right there. Don't go anywhere, man. I want to continue talking to Derek Wilburn. 
here in just uh, a little bit after the break. If you don't get both hours of the C.L. Bryant Show, download free the C.L. Bryant Show app. Uh, if you're traveling through Times Square, and of course you have the Red State Talk app, download it. Uh, you can. There's several platforms. We're about to do the YouTube channel, uh, kicking that off here in just a couple of weeks. And if you're traveling through Times Square, be sure to look up above Ripley's. Believe it or not, that iconic building is also housed or our, the, the home to our Red State Talk billboard, the largest talk platform in the nation and 24 hours a day, uh, every hour. The C.L. Bryant show does pop up there on the big screen and old C.L.'s face looking back at you. There in Times Square, which is beginning to uh, bustle again, even though uh, you better watch yourself if you are planning on doing Times Square. I remember it in the 80s and the 90s and even in the 70s. Things weren't good. Well, we're going to be back with more conversation. And, folks, we are uh, trying to put it in gear here these next couple of weeks, um, moving the location to Florida going to be there and uh, just trying to figure out the logistics and all of that. As you know, from the top of the show, I am absolutely ticked off at an HOA whom I will not mention now, but I'm after, after I get my guest off the phone, after I get him off the phone, I am not through venting about that yet. You pay too much money to be shoved around. And Americans, I remember Sally who ran the school paper. She was bossy. And the guy who worked with her, her little co-editor or whoever he was. Yeah, and now they're running HOAs. Yes, they are. We'll talk about it before the show closes out. I'm, I'm not through with you yet. My guest, Derek Wilburn, and uh, he is dedicated to educating and mobilizing young people for the cause of preserving the republic. I'm going to have him back with me uh, after this short break. You're listening to the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant, coast to coast, border to border, Red State Talk Radio. I want to thank all you terrestrials in replay. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Are lifted high. Our hearts are bowing in reverence. 
CL back with you on this great day in the USA. Thank you for coming along with us, and thank you for making the show as popular as it has become. Again, Red State Talk, uh, Red State Talk, the Talk Monster is where you can hear the show daily, 12.05 in the East until 2 p.m. in the East Daily. If you don't get both hours of the CL Bryant Show, be sure to download free the CL Bryant Show app anywhere uh, you go. And, of course, all the shows are archived there. My special guest is Derek Wilburn. He and I have been friends for a while. We started out uh, together. In fact, Derek was the first person in Colorado. Let's see. It may have been the Broadmoor. I don't know. But either anyway, he was among the first to premiere uh, my film, Runaway Slave. And I really have appreciated your uh, friendship uh, from that point on, Derek. And that's been some time ago now let me ask you this question i've talked about this with others on the show but i want to get your take since you are so articulate and insightful my good friend could a movie like uh glory with morgan freeman and denzel could that movie be made today man and why it why it is so or why not talk to us no no, they, they, they couldn't do that today because we've reached the point now where for a generous portion of society, especially those who control the media mouthpieces, truth and history is offensive. Now, I personally don't see how that's even possible. I don't see how it's possible to be offended by history, but uh, they are. And that's why you see this cancel culture and these BLM Antifa maniacs running around knocking down statues, public property, statues and monuments that you and I paid for, that you and I maintain with our tax dollars. And they take it upon themselves through no formal action of a city council or of a mayor or a governor or anybody like that to just knock it down because it is a representation of history that they don't like. Uh, you could not see something like Driving Miss Daisy uh, being remade today. You could not see a lot of these things that depict the truth about life in America and in the world once upon a time. Roots will never again be aired on network TV. It was okay in 1976. But you can't do it today because it's truthful history of our country, and people are offended by that. Wow. And, folks, the things we find to be offended at, especially when they're historically true, may not necessarily always be historically accurate, but sometimes they're historic. Most of the times, slavery did exist, and the, the bitter truth of it is real. And Derek and I are proof positive that our ancestors paid the price for us to be successful today. Is it then a dishonoring of what the price they paid, Derek, when we see groups like BLM uh, trying to uh, steal, in my opinion, the valor of uh, those who paid the price for you and I, and even them, to be acting crazy in, in, in the streets of America? What type of disrespect is that, if it is at all? It is entirely disrespectful. So when you take down these monuments and statues and rewrite the history books and do all the things that they're doing, you are discrediting the sacrifice of those whose shoulders upon which you and I stand. People hate when I say this, but especially black, black folk hate when I say what I'm about to say. But it, again, it's the truth. And the truth is I am the beneficiary of the North American slave trade. That's not to say that I like it. 
that slavery was a good thing. I would never say that it wasn't. It was horrible. No human being should own another human being. But I have personally never been a slave. And because my ancestors were brought to this country against their will, I was born in Illinois, educated in California, and now live a wonderful life with a beautiful family in Colorado. And I would rather be an upper, lower-class citizen of Colorado than a lower, upper-class citizen of Ethiopia any day. Amen, 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 brother. There's no question about that. And hey, that was so well put because we are beneficiaries of what our ancestors, what our grandparents paid for. They paid for us to do this. Derek, when we compare, when we think about the life that they had and the life that you and I do have now, there is no way they could have dreamed of the opportunity available to them as the opportunity that we have now. Now, you have a son that's in the military, and I I admire that I have a granddaughter who's in uh, the military. And the question I want to ask you is this. Is this now, are we back now to Obama land where we have this blatant or apparent disrespect for our men and women in uniform coming from this administration? Talk to us. We are. My son graduated the Air Force Academy in 2018. He completed pilot training in June of this year, and he is right now, as we speak, he is leaving to go to SEER training, Survive, Evade, Resist, Escape. So all Air Force pilots and Navy pilots go through SEER training in the event they're shot down behind enemy lines, right? So Survive, Evade, Resist, Escape, two weeks out in the woods. Uh, the, the problem, yes, they don't respect anyone in uniformed authority. Uh, This much we know, whether we're talking police, whether we're talking the armed forces, and it is a because of this utopian view of the world and of society where they believe they, they can look on TV and see the same things you and I see every single night in Portland and Seattle and places like this and say, we don't need police. That doesn't even compute. But these people, what they believe is in an open borders world. So. The idea that they believe, and there's there's an entire open borders society, and you can look them up on the internet. These people are real. They believe that people ought to be just like animals, in that animals migrate. They move from here to there on a whim. They follow the seasons, whatever. They fly across the borders of, of countries and don't even know that they've done it. They believe the exact same thing about people, that there should be no difference between Canada, the United States, Mexico, Greece, Italy, France. So therefore, since all the nations are one nation, why would you need a military to protect your nation's interests and borders? This is the direction they're going. It's what they believe. So therefore, why would they have any respect for a military, which they don't even believe has a purpose for existence? Now, there's a saber rattling that's going on now that Joe Biden is president or, well, he's in the Oval Office. I will. That's a whole nother conversation. But Iran, Iran is now demanding that uh, we do certain things in uh, complying for them to comply with the agreement 
that they weren't complying with to begin with. Donald Trump had them whimpering in the corner. Is is that situation also further indication that America is certainly in a bad situation with this administration when we talk about our enemies like Iran? We had a previous occupant of the Oval Office who, without congressional notification, let alone permission, without informing the American people, shipped cash loaded onto pallets into a chartered airplane in the middle of the night to Iran. The occupant of the Oval Office did that, and the current occupant of the Oval Office worked in the White House at the same time. That tells us all we need to know about their willingness to be tough with Iran. But the bigger overarching issue, at least in my view, is this. Liberals, for reasons that I cannot begin to explain, liberals refuse to admit the truth or some of the truths about the Islamic faith. They simply will not do it. They are apologists for a faith that they themselves don't even practice. If you were to ask these people if they have any faith at all, they would all tell you that, yes, I'm a Christian. However, they will persecute the very faith that they claim to profess and apologize and support that which they do not. And they'll say things like, to defend that position, like, you know, well, Christians are, radical Christians are just as dangerous as, as radical Islamists. They're just as dangerous as Iran. Oh, really? Find me the radical Christians who are hijacking jumbo jetliners and flying them into the side of skyscrapers. Where are those people? Where are the Christians who are finding non-Christians and filming themselves, decapitating them with a knife? I've never seen that. Except, you know, they'll say, oh, what about the Crusades? Well, yeah, well, 600 years ago. Yeah. For whatever reasons, they are apologists for the Islamic faith, and the Islamic faith has people within it, not everybody, of course, but has people within it who are bent on the destruction of infidels. And it's extremely dangerous for our country, as we saw on 9-11. Then that brings us to the question of the church and uh, the ministry of the church, the Christian church and people of faith in this country at this time, Derek, because uh, evidently there is a, a need for men and women of courage now, but we, we are experiencing a certain cowardice being spurred on by the type of names uh, that the left is calling the right and the aversion that people on the right have to those names. Is that working? Is the racist chant working? It's working for those who want to hear it. So there's always, here's the difference between you and I and the Maxine Waters and the perpetually offended leftists of the world, black leftists. We don't invest our time. I don't invest my time into looking for racism. That's not to say that it doesn't exist. You and I both know that it does. Not nearly as pervasive as they'd have us believe, but I don't invest my time into looking for racism. The Ku Klux Klan in America today, by their own numbers, off their own website, they claim a membership of about seven to 10,000 people. That's it. I mean, they don't have enough people to fill the basketball arena at a small junior college in Louisiana. Yet, never 
have so few people been given so much credit for doing absolutely nothing. So if you invest your in life, we tend to find that which we seek. So if you look for racism, you believe it's everywhere, it's hiding underneath every rock, there's white supremacists everywhere, there's racists everywhere, the system is racist, it's keeping up with racism. If that's what you spend your time looking for, guess what you're going to find? Absolutely. Whereas if you invest your time into looking for good, for godliness, for those things that are righteous, guess what you're going to find? Absolutely, my brother. Let me let me uh, say this. And I, I've uh, shared this across the country, and I certainly hope that you continue to promote this. I'm going to give this to you, man. I uh, I went down to uh, the Target the other day, and uh, you know I shopped around there. As you know, I'm a widower now, and 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 so forth. And and uh, I went from there to look at uh, a car that I was I was thinking about uh, maybe getting, but I'm going to wait and do that. And I, I didn't. I didn't have any racism at the bank that I went to. There was no racism at the Target. What any racism at the car dealership? But then, Derek, I came home uh, toward the close of the evening, and and I flipped on the television, man, and there it was. Racism was in my house. It was on the television. My neighbors, uh, they're of all stripes, and I've been to your home. I know that your neighbors are the same way. I, I walk up and down my street. I wave at them, and you know, they wave back. The cops pass. I wave at them. No racism at all. In Shreveport, Louisiana, Derek Wilburn, in Shreveport, Louisiana, the last place to concede defeat in the South of the Civil War. I, I haven't experienced that here. But I come home, and I turn the television on in Shreveport, and there it is all over the country. Derek, is that the dialect that they want us to have? I have about four minutes, man. Speak to it. Of course, perpetual victims. Uh, perpetual victims are what they want us to be and what they want us to believe. I refuse to be a victim. I refuse to allow my children to be victims. I'm a victorious man. I am an overcomer. I'm not the victim of anything. And even if I were, even if I did run into racism, here's the thing, CL. People ask me, is there racism? Yes, there's racism, but you know what? I don't care. See, racism doesn't affect me. It affects you if you're the racist. It doesn't affect me. If you don't like me because of the color of my skin, what do I care? I mean, I don't need you in my life. It is a stain on your heart. It is a black spot on your soul, and it's eating you up from the inside out. But it isn't affecting me. As long as you do nothing to affect my property, life, or loved ones, your racism has no effect on me at all. I don't want racists around me. I certainly don't want them in a position of governing. But I'm not affected by racism. So I, I refuse to speak the language of victim. I totally agree with that, Derek. Listen, man, I have about uh, three minutes left, and and I, I've asked everybody from Hannity to Judge Janine on this show uh, about uh, this this very question, legacy, Derek Wilburn. I've been around you now uh, for quite a while, and uh, I've seen how you work, I've seen how you operate, and I respect you. You know that. Legacy, once uh, you and your lovely bride hang, hang it all up in your looking at the mountains there and rocking on the porch uh, into the sunset, you know, what, what do you want us to say about you? What do you want folks to remember? I want folks to remember the fact that I worked tirelessly and hopefully my efforts continue after uh, long after I'm gone to bridge the divide between the conservative movement in this country and the black American community and to open eyes in the black American community that 
the way we have been addressing our business politically is self-damaging. It isn't that Democrat ideas are necessarily bad or evil, although I would argue many of them are. That's not the point. Whenever you tell one political party, we're only voting for you in advance, we're never not going to vote for you. You already sealed your doom in terms of the quality of representation you're going to get. But the good news is is that today's 19, 20, and 22-year-olds, they don't remember the civil rights struggles of the 50s and 60s and the 40s and and the things that blacks went through. They have no recollection of that. They, They may read about it, maybe. They never experienced it. So they're more of an open book. And my endeavor to bring the truth to them is a legacy that I hope to leave behind. Man, I uh, certainly hope that all of us will uh, attempt to help you in doing that. Listen, man, God bless you and God keep you. Derek, continue to fight the good fight. I know that you will because you are fighting the good fight. Thank you so much for being on with me here today. I look forward to talking to you down the road, man. We need to talk offline. We had not talked in a long time. We need to do that, brother. True. I'll make it happen. You'll make it happen. Let's, uh, uh, you know, if you play your cards right, I might even let you buy me a meal one day. <laughs> I'll certainly do it, brother. I'll be happy uh, to do it. I, in fact, I got to come up that way here pretty soon, and uh, I'll I'll be certain to look you up uh, when I am there again. Thank you, Derek. Talk to you soon. 